From the Museum of Science, Boston, this is Pulsar, a podcast where experts answer questions from you, our audience. I'm your host, Eric O'Day. We got a great question from Casey, who wondered what kinds of things we can learn about exoplanets. Exoplanets are planets that are orbiting stars far away outside of our solar system. To answer that question, we reached out to a scientist who is working on that very question. My guest today is Moya McTeer, a graduate research fellow in astronomy at Columbia University. Moya, thanks for coming on Pulsar. Thanks for having me here, Eric. So one of your areas of study is exotopography, which is really exciting because my spell check informed me it was not a word. And that means it's such a new area of study that it doesn't even exist in spell check yet. So can you tell us what is exotopography and how did you first start to think about this brand new way of thinking about exoplanets? Yeah, um, I'm glad your computer caught that. It's a word I made up, exotopography, and I haven't had the time yet to talk to the good people at Webster to get it into the official dictionary. But exotopography is the study of mountains and craters and other geographic features on the surface of planets outside of our solar system. So it comes from the words exo, meaning exoplanet, and topography, meaning like surface features. It was actually my advisor's idea originally. His name is David Kipping, and he's known for having kind of wacky, very out there ideas in astronomy. And he came to me in my first year of grad school and was like, what if we could find mountains on exoplanets? And I looked at him and I was like, David, that's wild. We can't possibly do that with our technology. And he said, well, why don't you see? <laughs> I'm sure the actual conversation wasn't really that cartoonish, but <laughs> it was it was one of those things where he really pushed me into exploring this and I didn't expect to find anything, but then I did. And it was really cool. That's really awesome. So this research relies on transits. Can you tell us what those are and how they help you to find these features on exoplanets? So a transit is what you see if a planet passes in front of a star from our point of view. One of the main ways that astronomers detect exoplanets these days is using a method called transit photometry. So basically, you point a telescope at a patch of sky, and the telescope measures how much light you're getting from that patch of sky. If a planet passes in front of a star, it's going to block some of that star's light, so you'll get a dip in the amount of light you get. The ideal transit is this kind of upside-down trapezoid shape that actually traces out the amount of light that you're receiving from a planetary system. That trapezoid shape, that transit, can tell you really cool things about the planet. It can tell you how big it is compared to its star. If you see how long the signal goes between different transits, you can tell how long the planet's year is, so you can figure out the orbital period of the planet. My method of exotopography actually depends on looking at the very bottom of that transit and seeing if there's any scatter there. If a planet has a bunch of mountains on it and it's rotating in front of its star, then the area of light that's being blocked is changing over time. So that means the depth of the transit that we receive is changing over time. And so in my method, I looked at how much scatter there was at the bottom of the light curve and kind of reverse engineered that to figure out how bumpy a planet might be. And that was the official scientific term that you introduced, bumpiness. <laughs> so what is that yeah. actually, is that just looking at the curve and saying that looks pretty bumpy or does it actually have some math behind it? It has some math behind it. This is what happens when you ask a first year graduate student to invent a new field of science. They're going to come up with terms like bumpiness and expect other people to treat it with the scientific respect that it deserves. 
So there is some math behind it. The bumpiness of a planet is the standard deviation of the height of the surface feature. So really, it's a measure of, on average, how much does the height of a surface feature on this planet vary from the mean? So it would tell you if you have a lot of very small mountains or a few very tall mountains. So a very smooth exoplanet would have a low bumpiness, and one that had lots of mountains of all kinds and shapes and sizes would have a high bumpiness. Exactly, yeah. So we have really great topography maps for a few planets in our own backyard. We've measured Mars. We obviously know almost everything there is to know about mountains on the Earth. Does that help in thinking about exoplanets and how bumpy they might be? Yeah, it doesn't just help. It was kind of the basis for my whole project. Uh, So to get the relationship between the scatter at the bottom of a light curve and how bumpy a planet is, I actually used those really precise and accurate maps of the topography of other bodies in our solar system. I used Mars, Venus, Earth, and the moon. And I had two versions of Earth. I had Earth with water, like with oceans, and I had Earth without oceans, because the oceans actually obscure a lot of really interesting features. Without those maps of the other bodies in the solar system, I just wouldn't have been able to do my research. And we have no reason to expect that the stuff in our solar system would be drastically different from the types of bodies that we can expect to find outside of the solar system. So if we wanted to go ahead and start looking for these mountain ranges and bumpiness of other exoplanets, what kind of telescope would we need? Yeah, yeah. So the unfortunate thing about the project was that we found that these signals are so small that we don't actually have telescopes right now that are powerful enough to detect them. Even the fact that we can find planets with our telescopes is really impressive because seeing a planet pass in front of its star from thousands of light years away, is kind of the same as watching a fly pass in front of a car's headlight when the car is in LA and you're standing in New York. Like These these are really tiny signals. Uh, And finding mountains on these planets is even harder. So we found that in order to detect exotopography, we'd actually have to have a telescope that's, you know, 80 or 100 meters across. These are telescopes like the Overwhelmingly Large Telescope or Colossus. Right now, we're just starting to plan how we're going to get the money to build these telescopes. Like They are many decades away from us right now. But one day, one day, we will be able to do it. And what better time to start figuring out how to do it than now? (laughs) Right. I like to joke that I'm not going to get many citations now, but in like 40 years, it's just going to (laughs) boom. So why is exotopography important? What can it tell us about uh, exoplanet besides just how many mountains it has? That's a great question. And the answer to that is kind of indirect. I think, for one, it's just really cool to have an idea of how mountainous an exoplanet might be. But if you're looking for something more practical, the presence of mountains actually indicates other things that are probably good indicators of habitability or life being able to exist on that planet. So if you have a very mountainous planet, that's a good indication that the planet has internal mechanisms like plate tectonic movement. It might have internal volcanism. And those are things that are really helpful for life. Plate tectonic movement will help with the rock cycle and with the carbon cycle. So cycling carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. Um, Internal mechanism can provide a source of heat, which is really important, especially if you're farther away from your star. And astronomers would assume that you're outside of the star's Goldilocks zone or habitable zone. But there are other things that are really interesting if you kind of take a more abstract approach to exotopography. 
So other fun things that you might be able to learn from looking at the bumpiness of a planet are whether or not that planet has an ocean. If the planet is much less bumpy from the light curve than you expect it to be, then that's a sign that something is probably obscuring a lot of the features and that something can be an ocean, which would be super cool. We don't have a way to confirm or deny the presence of oceans on exoplanets yet. Or it could be clouds, which would be a great way of confirming the presence of a thick, vibrant atmosphere. So what's next? Is there anything else we can do while we wait for these next generation telescopes to come online? There's a lot we can do. I mean, space is the final frontier, right? There's so much of it that we don't understand. And since studying exotopography, I have turned my attention more towards something that people call the search for the galactic habitable zone. So I'm trying to find whether or not there's a place in the galaxy where habitable planets are most likely to form. There are a lot of different ways that you can approach this. In the past, people have approached it by looking at supernova rates or the way that chemicals and elements and molecules are distributed throughout the galaxy. I like to look at how the galaxy moves. So this is something called Milky Way or galactic dynamics. My last project looked at how often stars in the very center of the galaxy fly close to each other. So they don't actually hit each other, but they just have these very close encounters that could have super drastic consequences for the planets orbiting these stars. Moya, thank you so much for coming on to Pulsar and telling us all about this exciting new field. Thanks for having me. I'm really happy about the idea of other people learning more about exotopography. If you'd like to have one of your questions answered by a visiting expert or a Museum of Science educator, you can email them to sciencequestions at mos.org. If you enjoyed this episode of Pulsar, don't forget to subscribe on the Apple Podcast app or on Spotify, as well as leaving a rating or review for us. Please visit www.mos.org slash science matters to support MOS at home. That's it for this episode of Pulsar. Join us again soon.